Let's uh let's blitz through it. Let's keep it keep it breezy. 45 minutes pure gold. Ooh. Ooh, 45 minutes pure gold. That's uh not not a tall order to meet. Highly concentrated, all value, no chaff. Uh Wow. It's uh what is chaff? That's the pronounced chaff. It's chaff? chaff. Chaff. Yeah, it's chaff. It's chaff. A, it's the 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 husk on the wheat kernel is what it is. Um, mm. I only, I only know that because of improv, because that's how we define something <laughs> through improv. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've I've had to like explain that to people to be like, oh well, there's like a premise and then there's a half idea and then there's chaff and people are like, sorry, what's chaff? So I was like, oh, I should look this up in the dictionary to know exactly what it is. So I do know what it is and that it is pronounced chaff. 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 Uh, (laughs) Uh, Can you husk it? I don't. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> perfect. I don't think I don't think we'll do better than that. No, for no, no, no. An that's, intro. It. that's it. Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. Uh, just a couple of best friends who have loved this sport forever. And now we get to share that love across the digital airwaves with you. I'm one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I'm coming in real hot. Uh, I've had no coffee. Uh, Somehow, this is how I'm still acting. Uh, Yeah, I'm a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is Johnny. I'm a creative (laughs) consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Uh, All right, so... We are in a off week. Mm-hmm. We've got all sorts of things percolating on the F1 horizon in advance of a uh, a race next mm-hmm. weekend at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Yeah. Beautiful, uh, beautiful track. It's yes. a track that, despite not being in love with Red Bull and all things, you know, Christian Horner, Helmut Marco. Max Verstappen, all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've still always wanted to visit that race because it looks like it is just in a ridiculously idyllic location, like surrounded yeah. by the mountains, looking like it's like straight out of Sound of Music. Yeah, looks super epic and like very and unusually like remote. Like looks like it is actually a hundred miles from anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any time that they show like what that looks like as far as like when they do these swooping camera shots uh, from helicopters, mm-hmm. you see people. Uh, oh, I remember back during the pandemic when like there were no fans that people like grabbed little spots up on like ridge lines overlooking. Yeah, it was just random. Yeah, yeah random people chilling in the in like, woods and in like, the yeah, Austrian... on cliff edges. And yeah, whatnot. yeah, yeah, it was very, very cool, um, despite the 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 madness that was happening in the world at the time that was like this mm-hmm. bizarre like eye of the storm that i remember being like wow this is so peaceful just looking at these like little austrian folks sitting up in their austrian cliff sides yep. watching uh screaming formula one cars 
so that's that's coming up, but that is uh, that is technically, I guess, this week. We are in race week when this uh, does get released. yeah, baby. So we've we've it's happening this week, but we've had uh, a whole bunch of time to just sit around, twiddle our thumbs, uh, watch the world reach the precipice of destruction somehow oh god okay we're not going to talk about oh that my we're not going to talk about that um yeah uh but uh where we are we did have time to to listen to all of the rumors and all of the the conjecture uh around f1 so um oh something else about austria this starts the mclaren uh rollout of upgrades so they said that within the next mm. Two races, they will have uh, three upgrade packages that they are bringing over the course of two race weekends, I guess. So I don't know how yep. they're splitting that up, but it's going to be between uh, Silverstone and Austria that they're planning on rolling out something in their floor package and maybe suspension that will make them more competitive, which, oh God, I would love to see Lando specifically be competitive at the uh, at the Red Bull ring. Cause that's yeah. where Lewis hopped. I think that's where Lewis like hopped on the radio and was like, wow, who's that behind me? Like he was like singing Lando's praises on the radio yeah. during the race. Uh, yeah. So I would love to see a McLaren be competitive there, but mm, it might not happen. Um, we'll see. Uh, but while all this was happening, the declaration of the the least exciting declaration uh, <laughs> happened, which was Bridgestone Tires has said that they are mm. willing to bid on a contract for F1. So this immediately brought up the subject of the tire wars. Uh, yeah. So, Johnny, can you can you talk us through what? The tire wars yeah. were a little so, bit. So currently Pirelli makes the tires for Formula One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had the privilege of being in the paddock at Austin a few years back. And while there are like motorhomes for all of the teams, there is literally a circus tent sized tent that is just Pirelli. And it is just nonstop. It is, it's sort of like the Formula One mailroom, except instead of shipping letters and small packages around, it is people wheeling carts full of tires mm-hmm. out to every other garage in the pit. They're all coming from Pirelli. Yeah. Uh, Pirelli is controlling, has controlled that like design of their tire. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But this is something that's been going on for, I don't know, 15 years at this point or so, maybe, so. maybe a little more. I think, I think 2005 and was the last year that Bridgestone was in. I think that was the, the year so of the debacle. <laughs> before, before that, there were multiple tire manufacturers mm-hmm. in F1 and the teams could effectively choose, you know, who they wanted to purchase their tires from. And this was an interesting thing because for the tire manufacturers themselves, it's like a mini competition or race to see if they can make what's going to best suit the teams. Once Pirelli moved in and was the sole tire supplier, pretty quickly it was determined that, okay, now let's not 
engineer the tires to be the best possible tire you can make, which right. is a very um, seems like a very obvious way to go. But it was decided, let's figure out how to engineer or design these tires to try and stimulate more racing action, which seemed to happen relatively successfully. And, mm-hmm. and, and basically what that meant also was that the Pirelli tires were designed specifically to degrade yes. and to degrade like predictably, but like on schedule, the tire is going to fall apart and become unusable and then you must come into the pits, which would stimulate action in the pit lane. It would mean that, you know, uh, lap performance was very dynamic or ever changing based on the condition of the tires and so on and so forth. There was obviously some, so there was, you know, there, we had a race where everybody's Pirelli's like were blowing up, uh, yeah. like literally falling apart and flying all over the place and uh, was deemed extremely dangerous and whatnot. But uh, Pirelli's been been doing their thing and and running this. It would be interesting, and I'm not sure actually. Is this conversation coming from Bridgestone about Bridgestone trying to basically steal Pirelli's contract and just swoop in and be the sole supplier, or is there discussion of having there be maybe multiple suppliers, so- which would you know bring this sort of like competition or turn it back from like what they're doing now which would be it'd be very easy for another tire manufacturer to come in and be like well ours don't intentionally degrade like yours and therefore we'll blow your doors off and then pirelli says well we're not gonna make them intentionally degrade anymore and then we're back into a uh rubber space race yeah so there's like there's some like the the engineering behind the the designed failure of these tires is like part of the story here. It's part of like the like the tire war, I guess. Um, like the context around it. So initially, they had those tires, like you said, they the tires were failing spectacularly, uh, and there was like a cliff edge. When you hear about like there's like a yeah. tires like the the tire falls off the cliff, uh, that now means that it's like chemically it falls off the cliff, but. Yeah. Initially, it meant that like the tires were literally just like unraveling. And when we say physically. falls off a cliff, we mean like in a graph of usability. Yes. The tire's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's kind of going downhill. And then at a certain point, it goes off a cliff and the tire's useless. And it just and can't it, be and recovered. And it's like over the course of one lap, it's garbage. And yeah. you, it, you must get that and tire you're like off. And you're like losing five seconds a lap compared to people on yeah. similar tires. Like it's it's that much of uh, a, a serious fall off in performance. So that's, yeah, that's why it's, uh, that's why it's called the cliff. Uh, but they did have back in the day before they had this chemical reaction, they had Pirelli's that were literally like falling apart and becoming unraveled. So you would hear yeah. about like, like we, we, every once in a while we'll, we'll mention marbles or we'll mention rubber that ends up on the side of the track off the race line. And this is what was happening initially. And I can't remember what driver it was. It might've been, might've been pastor Maldonado, but basically like, Back then, when yeah. they tried that, the tires like there was a marble that flicked up and like caught him and like almost broke his hand because it was so big, uh, and it was mm-hmm. he was moving so fast. So like they created this chemical situation where the tires don't necessarily fall apart 
just chemically they become so imbalanced that they become useless. So that's part of this is that Bridgestone was like, we don't want to design tires that deliberately fall apart. This is why Michelin is not part of this discussion because Michelin is like openly been like, we don't design our tires to fail. We design them to yeah. last, which that makes so much sense. <laughs> like you wouldn't want. Well, it's, it, it also, after this race where everybody had their Pirellis falling apart, mm-hmm. there was briefly discussion about Pirelli saying like, well, we, we are not going to stay in this sport because yeah. it's horrible for our image. It's horrible yeah. for this thing that has our logo stamped around it to be, you know, flying apart into pieces. And we, that's not what we want our customers to associate our brand with. Yeah. So that didn't end up happening because they basically got like some sort of sweetheart deal. And these are like kind of the other things too, is there are like commercial rights, like you see Pirelli's logos everywhere at every single circuit. Like that's part Mm -hmm. of this deal to have your tires degrade and fall apart is to be like, we are not saying that your tires suck. We're saying that we've asked you to make your tires work in such a specific way. And you are so talented in your engineering skills and in your volcanology. Uh, That's, I know that's about, uh, volcanoes but like the the vulcan like the tire uh tech that they go into <laughs> like they have such a specific interesting and focused understanding of these tires that they can fall apart only when they're designed to so this initially was like a cool thing because you would see these these engineers wouldn't really understand when the tires were going to fall off the cliff but then as f1 does They figured out, hey, if you don't drive the tires aggressively, they can last longer. So it went from being super competitive in these pit stops, like people would get passed in the pits and like all this action would happen from like an engineering and strategic standpoint to just being like, oh, every race is going to be a one to two stop pit stop race. And it will be predictable that the tire, like the pit stop window is lap 11 to 15 if you're Mm -hmm. on the soft tires or if you're on the medium tires, the pit stop window is lap 18 to 22 or whatever it is. And then you just drive the tires, not completely off the car, but just enough to make it to that pit stop window so you can then judge other people's strategies around you. So it, it had... Uh, an unintentional knock-on effect of making the racing very competitive for a few years. And then that racing has like kind of become less competitive. And this is what you hear. I'm going to give flowers to Karun here. This is one of those random times, but I will say it. This dude has been screaming to everyone who will listen, have the teams use every single compound over the course of a race. So they have to use the hard, the medium, and the soft tire compound in the race. Mm -hmm. And that would, again, bring us back into parity with the way that these teams have to go after strategy in these races. So there are ways of getting around bringing another manufacturer in because, like you said, John, if Bridgestone shows up and then Pirelli goes, hey, you are going to make tires that degrade, right? So that like you do become, you're not just like the superior tire and we can like compete reasonably with each other. Uh, As long as that agreement holds, 
then that's fine. But who's to say that like Bridgestone doesn't go, oops, we messed up this batch of tires and they lasted perfectly. Oops. What happens when we mess up the next batch? Right. Like, yeah. So this is the tire war that we're talking about. It's not just between the teams. It's not just between the F1 and Pirelli and Bridgestone. It's not just between Bridgestone and Pirelli. It's like a multi-front dynamic conflict and it could make F1 very interesting. It really could. But, it, you know, I get that a lot of people are like, who they roll their eyes at like tire strategy. So, and F1 hates change. Drivers and teams hate change. And they have data on Pirelli's. They have no data on Bridgestone tires right now. Not with the current model yeah. of car. So, that's a real like, ugh, they're going to really dig their heels in uh, before they like are like, yeah, let's bring in a new manufacturer and shake things up. I, I do think there is something to the like hyper prescriptive nature of the current setup. Yeah. And how it has been, you know, one of these dials that's been used to try and calibrate a little more action or on track passing yeah. into the sport. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, but again, I'm also enjoy seeing things get completely shaken yeah. upside down in the sport. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the potential for impending tire wars. Yeah, I really do think there could be a way for us to completely avoid this. And that is to deploy what Karun has insisted on and like demo it yeah. at a couple of weekends in the second half of this season before we decide, hey, let's bring in a whole new tire manufacturer. Um, yep. And then the last thing that like the reason why tires are such a big deal is because they cannot remount these tires once they have been placed on the wheels. So that's like why there is uh, a lot of like tentative discussion around tire usage because there still isn't the technology. So what that means if uh, for a road car, you have like your wheel uh, uh, John, I know you know this, but just for everyone else, like uh, for road cars, you have your wheel and then the tire is the rubber that is fitted onto the metal rim or wheel. Uh, or steel wheel or whatever you have or alloy wheel. Now you can take those tires on your road car and remove them and then sell them to a, a tire reseller, which will figure out a way to put tread back into that tire and basically rehab that tire enough that it can go back onto another rim or wheel with the tech that these F1 cars use and the limits that they face when actually moving energy from the engines through the wheels to the tires, there's no safe way of remounting those tires back to the wheels. So every single time, like you were saying, John, when those tires were going in and out of that Pirelli tent, those tires are one and done. Like you don't, those, those tires go into recycling and then they get, there's a process that they get to reuse the rubber, but it's still like a manufacturing process that they have to take the tire, strip it down to its elementals and then like chemically alter its makeup. So they separate out, separate the different compounds out and then 
reconfigure the comp. So it's like a month long, like months long process to reuse F1 tires just from like receiving them to making them available to be used again. So it's not, there's a lot of stigma around tire usage. Uh, it's why like tire blankets are like this, like eye roll thing where we're like, who really y'all want to talk about removing tire blankets? Like, let's talk about the fact you can't even reuse these tires once. So yeah, that's part of why whenever John and I talk about tire blankets, we're like, come on, give me a break. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Who knows? Um, Another thing that is up in the air here is I think, and this is like a huge proclamation, not a huge proclamation, not the hottest take, but I really think that mm-hmm. Max, Max Verstappen is probably going to retire uh, after he does maybe another one plus one contract with Red Bull. So like maybe he will resign after this year after, sorry, after this sequence in his contracts but I don't think he's going to stick around because of what happened with the Nuremberg run, Johnny. Like I really. All right. So, so this, Nur- this Nuremberg ring run, when, when is that scheduled for? Is it tied in with the German Grand Prix or is it just at a random point? It would make sense that it would be. I mean, it's the Red Bull, right? It's Nuremberg. But of, but of course not. Of course not. But They'll it, do it. They'll do it completely randomly. Like during but the like, summer right, break so, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Red Bull is doing an exhibition where they are going to run some of their vintage F1 cars mm-hmm. on the full Nordschleife track the uh what is it it's like 18 miles or so i should john i should know this you know it better i've i've i have driven i have set myself a 13 minute lap in a a rental car (laughs) around the nurberg ring um they're doing a exhibition running around this track aka the green hell they used to Mm -hmm. do formula one racing on this track there is a Formula One circuit, a purpose-built Formula yep. One circuit that is literally attached to this track. But mm-hmm. this is the legendary old-school track that is, uh, for very good reason, been deemed way too unsafe yeah. to w- run a Formula One race at. There is still all sorts of other racing, and it's a legendary so the location. Reason- and if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're familiar yeah, with but, the, the Nurburg Ring. But you may not be familiar with the reason why it's called the Green Hell, which is, uh, it's the Green Hell because people would go off the track uh, and get lost there. Like you couldn't. There were so yeah. many people who like died. You wouldn't be able to find them in the trees. Yeah, yeah. Because so, a car would. I just believe go it was Jackie Stewart just- that coined it the green hell yeah Yeah. because it literally took the lives of so many drivers and continues to take the lives of drivers which is why helmet marco is not letting max verstappen do it he's not letting him do it Um, he's not gonna let him run in this exhibition sebastian vettel's running yeah i don't know if they've called out whoever else is running danny ricardo and sebastian rick yep so like Two of Max's teammates who got to drive these cars at the time, just like Max did, are getting to drive those cars that they were driving in the garage next to Max Verstappen. But Helmut Marco was like, we all know Max. I'm not letting Max run on it. He understands. Well, this is and and 
Helmet made this as a specific like public statement. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will not be. I, I, Helmet, will not be allowing Max to do this. And so when this came out, you and I were sending some text messages back and forth. I mean, (sighs) this is... This to me, I mean, it sounds on the surface, it's straightforward. It's yeah, a manager type being like, we won't let, you know, our our individual take big risks. Yeah. But I do think that from what we've seen of the culture of Max at Red Bull, Max loves calling the shots. Yes. Max loves defying certain instruction or rules or come on, don't set the fast lap, you know, right now where, yep. you know, you're already pushing it, take it easy. Just bring the car home. Just bring, bring it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of Max loves defying that stuff. Yeah. And to me for, for helmet to make a public statement like that, that's actually in the world of the relationship with helmet and max like that's shots fired like that's yes. like max like broke a mirror in his motor home yeah. upon hearing that you know as a part of a press release or or you know yeah. whatever john you've driven this track as an enthusiast you've driven this track and i know how much it meant to you like your wife bought this for you like this experience for you like everyone knows it was- what this it's means a very to special it's a very special thing and to be able to do that you know in a rental in, car was a was a was a privilege is something that you are like so it was, it was amazing but yeah to be able to do that in a formula in a in a in modern your piece of formula, formula one, one car in the car yeah you drove that you used to drive like it's not just yeah a car that's like oh wow uh a legend of f1 drove it's like I used to drive this car and you're telling me I can't drive it on the one track that I've probably had like wet dreams about driving this car on. (laughs) Like you're telling me I can't drive it and not just telling me you had a press conference. You had a press conference to tell the world that you would not let me specifically me drive this car because everyone knows how I am. Like you can't uh i would be losing it like i'm mad on behalf of max verstappen at that statement and at this oh god yeah i mean to me it's it's uh it's also i mean it's just i i think it's a move by helmet who also himself is like you know a similarly hyper ambitious individual just to try and like yeah. make his own little flex yeah, there's trying, you know, do a measuring contest with Max. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, uh, that that I think is going to go even deeper, even deeper than the like oh, I'm not able to do this awesome thing that I want to do. I think even worse than that, it's like helmets trying to put yeah. me in my place. And here's the thing. And I think I think that's that's the beginning of like hairline fractures. Yeah. Well, look at the in this relationship. Look at what happened with Checo. Look at what happened with when he felt slighted by Checo Perez. Look at how yeah. big of an embarrassment he made out of the Red Bull leadership. 
Look like yeah. So if he felt slighted by Checo Perez because he didn't get to run a lap in a qualifying session, right? Like in a race that, yes, of course, everyone wants to win the Monaco Grand Prix. Max has won the Monaco Grand Prix now. So like, it's not like he was never going to win it or he knew that that was his one chance. Like Checo, I think, knew that that was his one chance. And if he did mess up, if he did uh, let that car get a little sloppy in that corner, then that's maybe what was like bleeding into his subconscious. But Max knew he was going to win on that track. Like, yeah. So the fact that he had to make a point about Checo not letting him qualify on the front row alongside him so that he could win that. Mm. Furious. I would be furious. I, I would not be, I would not be able to handle that as, as Max Verstappen. So. All right. So speaking of Checo, mm-hmm. uh, this week, and this is something that tends to happen when there's like a little bit of a quiet week in Formula One. Of course. The fans and the general discussion uh, quickly becomes a sort of like Hunger Games-esque scenario of everyone standing around the fire, sharpening their spears and discussing what driver is going to get fired mid-season. Yeah, you know, everybody's just sort of clamoring. Ooh, I can feel it happening. Somebody's somebody's not good enough. I don't know who it is, but one of these guys is getting canned before the end what? of the season. Who's it going to be? And there's been a scuttle about this being Checo mm-hmm. about him after, you know, uh, I don't know, three weeks of like sub super excellent performance with yeah. Red Bull. Yeah. Um, there's well, a lot six, of conversation. I think six races. He's only made like Q, I think Q3, he's only made three of the six races. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. So we've yeah. got uh, Nick, Nick DeVries. Uh, especially after late in the Canadian Grand Prix, him just like literally taking, uh, was it Magnuson or Hulkenberg? It was Magnuson, right? And just like accidentally like ushering him into the janitor's closet. Yeah, it was like that weird like runoff where they just like perfectly kissed and then had to. Yeah, he like literally just like drove the car into a handicapped parking space. Yeah. yeah. uh, In the middle of the Canadian Grand Prix (laughs) somehow. Yes. And And took another driver with him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then they had to like send an email in order to engage reverse and get the cars out of there. Uh, Pretty, pretty rough. So uh, Nick, Nick, Nick DeVries, uh, certainly on the chopping block. Mm hmm. Um, who else? I think Logan Sargent's name always gets thrown in. Of course. I, I, I remain that regardless of his performance and situation and, and, you know, the, the, uh, Pinewood Derby car that he's driving and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he'll stick around even if just because he's like the token American in the sport. He's got immunity. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah, that gives him, uh, yes, diplomatic immunity, yes. as previously <laughs> yeah. discussed. Yeah. Um, 
that that'll that'll hold because I think he's if nothing else he should be worth some some good sponsor dollars, mm-hmm. uh, which is particularly critical for a team like Williams. Um, who who else is is uh, everyone been chasing after with torches? I mean, it's perpetually Lance Stroll, uh, but that's yeah that that's we all know that that's not going to happen. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, that's and and not not to say that he should go anywhere. Um, he does have Fernando Alonso as a teammate, so that's like a you can. Yes, that's always gonna you, you can't you, make you can't you com- look like trash. Yeah, yeah, no matter what. Um, uh, Fernando pulls more out of a car than he can, and Lance Stroll seems to underperform. So like that compounding effect is not good for Lance, but. All right, Corey, your Lawrence Stroll. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you do to elegantly get Lance out of the second seat at Aston Martin? Oh. What do you, what do you do? Do you like, you know, do do you send him on a vacation? Like, do you? Uh, do I put him on invent like, a new racing series that he's going to be the the star driver of that's entirely positioned around him? Like, how do you daddy warbucks him? I mean, and fire him at the same time. I feel like you would have to like be like, I am going to make you co CEO of Aston Martin Racing. Mm-hmm. Like, you will run this business with me. But you cannot do that from behind the the seat. You can't do that behind the wheel of a race car. You just can't. Uh, so I think that's maybe the only way. And then you just hypermile yourself as Lauren Stroll. Uh, and you're just like, oh, no, I'll just get in the best shape of my life and never, ever get sick. And then just eventually parlay yeah. this into, like, selling the company. Um, I think... Honestly, I imagine I I imagine him like sitting at the pit wall and like he's handed, you know, everyone else has their their crazy headsets plugged into the equipment and he's handed like the like Fisher Price plastic headset that isn't plugged into anything. They're like, here you go. This is the important one. This is the that's why it's neon green. It's neon green and no (laughs) one talks into it. So like, no, you won't hear a lot. It's no one can talk to you, but you can talk to everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. it is there is that kind of maybe that's the only way to get him out of there. Uh I'd like to think that Lance will do the right thing, which is for the team itself. I would be like, "Hey, I want to take on like a supervisory role and put someone else in this rate seat." Like but he also he's not going I don't think Lance is going to ever relinquish that race seat until he gets a win. I think that's the only t- that will be the only indication that he might be willing to step away. If he can get a Formula 1 win. I mean win, a win for Lance Stroll would be like a championship for Nico Rosberg and then he would just be exactly like I'm out of here. That's exactly this is exactly what this I'm is... thinking, John. Yes. Yes. 100%. Like uh I, 
I won the dream. Yeah. I'm out. We did it. We did it. And he like won. Yeah. Uh, he wins a sprint race. Like he doesn't even win a Grand Prix. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as he, he, he retires mid season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just That's like disappears completely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so speaking, ba- wrapping it back around to midseason uh, retirements or replacements, um, that this is something that uh, everyone has kind of floated out or early on, they floated this out about uh, Nick DeVries, that he might get replaced midway through the season. He's got to watch his back because now Danny Ricardo is part mm-hmm. of the Red Bull series, right, or part of the Red Bull team. So you got to be careful because, you know, someone's always vying for that race seat. Uh, and um i'd say there's also liam lawson who could potentially take that seat uh and i uh, for a while like we had talked about this as like ah yeah it'd be cool to see you know him and you know him and yuki as teammates maybe or whatever i think that this is more realistic now than ever because helmet has repeatedly said that Nick DeVries really has not fulfilled his end of the bargain as that, uh, yeah. as a driver. Uh, and also now Lawrence Barreto had, uh, had an interview with Danny Ricardo and Danny Ricardo openly was like, Oh yeah, I would absolutely take that alpha tower seat. If they gave it to me, if it was offered, I'd take that in a heartbeat. And so now yeah. that Danny Ricardo has said that out loud and put it into print, I think it is just a matter of time before we end up seeing Danny Ricardo in that alpha tower seat. Like, I don't think Nick DeVries could, even if Nick DeVries won every single race for the rest of the season, I still think we would see Danny Ricardo in that seat next year. Mm. I just don't think, yeah, it's a matter of time. I would, uh, I would like to see that to me that breaks the concept of AlphaTauri being the like Red Bull feeder mm-hmm. team yeah. as being like a young driver development yeah, program sure. of sorts. Um but it makes it makes perfect sense for Danny Rick. Yeah. I do wonder though if there's you know, I don't know. I mean it probably also helps with sponsorship for the team and and whatnot. I mean it's amazing how Danny Rick has unlike any other driver that we have ever seen before yeah. stayed so permanently a part of the conversation and the mind share around formula one while not having a seat yeah. for a season so much that I think we're all very, very much like convinced of this idea that like, Oh, well this is just temporary. Yeah. It's a matter of time before he gets back into yeah. a race seat. Uh, and it, I mean, I do like Nick DeVries. I think that he is like a good guy, a nice, affable dude. But if you're not putting in any sort of reasonable results, like this is F1, I think we got like really comfortable with having Latifi in there as like the punching bag. Uh, we just were like, yeah. oh, yeah, Latifi's going to stick around no matter what. And like Lance is going to stick around no matter what because he's got daddy's money. And like Latifi had all sorts of independent backing or whatever. And I think that we have kind of lost track of the fact that F1 will absolutely replace a driver, like not just AlphaTauri or Red Bull, that like, I think any team is perfectly willing to replace someone Mm -hmm. with somebody else who could get them better results. I don't think that there's a team on the grid that wouldn't do that mid-season. 
Yeah. I think that Mercedes is not exempt from that. I think that Red Bull is not exempt from that. I think that if like George completely fell off in performance or Lewis completely fell off in performance, they would have hard discussions about, okay, what are we going to do here? Right. Same with like if Verstappen's performance fell off aggressively, they would have discussions much like they're having open discussions about Checo Perez. Helmet has now said, Hey, we hired him to do two to three years worth of teammate work and development with Red Bull racing. We are in the third year of Perez driving for Red Bull. Now he's not doing as much as he needs to do to keep that seat. I think that yep. there's a good chance that we won't see Perez back next year. I mean, there, if he doesn't show up, yeah. I don't think that we're going to see Checo back. And then we will see Daniel Ricardo driving that Red Bull. He's you think he'll be you think he'll be at, at Red Bull proper, not not Yuki getting no. promoted up through the ranks. No, no. I think that it I think we're I think we're gonna have a much better sense of this in a few weeks because right isn't right after Silverstone. Uh, Austria. Oh, after Silverstone. After, after Silverstone, he does a three day long tire test at Silverstone in the brand new Red Bull. So he gets in the RB nineteen. So yeah, he yep. Yeah, he jumps in the in the hot car, and all of a sudden is setting a, a crystal clear benchmark for where he's at. For, not not simulator laps because they they have mentioned casually that like his simulator yeah. laps haven't been quite up to snuff. Yeah, which I mean, sure. And this was kind of what like I think Christian had qualified this uh, this result. Uh, months ago by being like yeah he picked up some bad habits at mclaren so like i don't think mm. that they're <laughs> completely like unaware of what he's capable of i think yeah. that they're they they know what he's capable of and i think they're going to now have once he's in that car once he does that tire test with pirelli that's a clear benchmark against checo perez because he's going to be in the rb19 Yep. The week after Checo underperforms at Silverstone. And then it's just going to be right. like, well, Danny Rick hasn't been in a Red Bull in years. Uh, and now he came out and after three days, he's now matching Checo. I think that that's like a very clear like, all right, Checo, if you don't start winning races, if you don't start finishing right behind Max again, you're done after this year. I can easily see Red Bull doing that. And I, yep. I, uh, I don't want him to go, but I get it. I, I understand it. If he's not performing and he's also not willing to take the piss out of Red Bull because he was willing to take the piss for a while there. And now that he's not doing that, I'm yeah. like, ah, well, what happened? Whatever happened there? Uh, so yeah, this All is right. the, the, we're, the we're driver's into grid, it. Hunger Games will yeah. continue. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're it'll be interesting right. to see this continue to unfold. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keep in mind, I Johnny. Like, I like that it's just like every week it's being set up like a bad like mm-hmm. TV promo where they're just like someone isn't going to make it to the end of the season. Yeah, tune in next week because uh, it is. I mean, we are right on the precipice of silly season 
Silly season usually yeah. starts at the summer break, and we are two races out. We are three weeks out from fully being mm. in the summer break. So, yeah, let's go for silly season. Let's do it. Let's let's jump right into it. Let's speculate like crazy. Um, I think that Nick DeVries is gone. Uh, I think that Checo Perez has till the end of the season, and then he'll be gone. And I think that Danny Ricardo is going to either hop into the Alpha Towery seat midway through this season. And then, like, get up to speed. And then once Perez doesn't perform, I think he's going to jump into the Red Bull next season. And that's going to be announced. And then I think that they're going to announce that they're going to bring in uh, um, Liam Lawson to the Alpha Tower team uh, to go up against our buddy Yuki. And then Yuki's mm-hmm. going to then have a rookie to prove himself against. Like, a real rookie versus yep. Nick DeVries. Because this is all... The, all like... This is all towards Red Bull's future. Everything that they yep. do is towards their future. And they, I think that they're getting a sniff of the fact that Max is going to probably do maybe like a one plus one after this next contract ends. And they're going, they don't want to scramble. They, they, Red Bull is not good at scrambling to put drivers in that number one spot. That's not their strong point. They have a All right, so is there anyone on the grid right now who is the next Red Bull world champion? Ooh, on the grid right now? No. As the third driver of Red Bull? Yes. I think if Danny Ricardo gets into the Red Bull within the next couple of seasons, he will be challenging Max directly like he will it, you're you're super hot on danny Rick. i'm so i think so hot on danny I, yeah yeah i think i think the debris gets swept away i think checo's gone and i think yuki goes to red bull senior team um, and i think danny rick is driving the alfatari and is really gently improving but isn't isn't at world championship Red Bull senior team status. I wish it was your scenario, yeah, but yeah. I think that's the, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, I feel like the window closed on, on Danny Rick. When he didn't get the Alpha Tower seat, uh, when they gave it to Nick DeVries last year, do you think that that's when that happened or when do you think? I think it, I think it closed when he went to McLaren I think that was Oh the, yeah. I think Okay. Even even maybe even maybe Renault, like I think there's uh hey he's been on a on a really rough trajectory ever since and I don't know that he can take a full U turn. He's always a terrific driver when he was with Red Bull. Yeah. But I feel like there's irreparable damage. I'm rooting for him to yeah. to prove me wrong. And I know, I know F1 has like a really short memory when it comes to this stuff. But if you look at the past two teams that Danny Rick has been a part of, and you look at the legacy of Renault, who is now Alpine, and you look at the legacy of McLaren, he's the only person to have gotten them wins. Since yeah. since Alonso got them wins, right? Like, yeah, Alonso's the last person to get a McLaren win, uh, other than Lewis. Uh, oh no, no, that that'd be Jensen. Jensen would have been the last one to get to get a win in McLaren. Um, 
But then Alonzo's the last person to get a win in a Renault, right? Yeah. Other than Danny Rick. Yep. Like I that's that's it. Like so I, I think I I'm I'm all in on Danny Rick for the the charisma, for the fact that like I think F one recognizes that they are going to lose Lewis within the next like five years, Lewis is probably going to become a brand ambassador for Mercedes and start to like champion some of these other series, especially like the, the, what, what was, which sucks. Like, I guess that like the W series has gone into administration Mm -hmm. uh, and Lewis has like put a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of like effort into like trying to promote them uh, and promote that as like a way for women to get involved with single seater racing. So I think that we're going to, Lewis is going to pivot to some of the other stuff soon. And I think that F1 is like, Max is not the champion that everyone wants to get behind. Certainly not who like F1 wants to get behind. Um, I think that if you give Danny Rick a championship winning car and that personality, like, ah, you just gotta, you gotta get him in there. You gotta get him in there. Um, this is me like putting it out there. I'm like vision. My vision board is just pick like one giant picture of Daniel Ricardo, um, mm-hmm. just spraying champagne. Like that's my vision board. It's nothing else. He wins a championship with Mercedes. <laughs> he wins a championship with Red Bull. Yeah. He, he even brings Ferrari back somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes out of retirement. He wins a he wins a championship literally driving for Fernando Alonso yeah. around the track. Yeah, you know somehow. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. he's astride two F one cars, riding them like uh like noble steeds. Uh, yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme yeah. splitting <laughs> yeah. across them. Yeah, <laughs> to win the world sure. championship and tie in a constructors yes. championship uh, with both teams. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> It's all, all right. to play for. It's all, all right. to play for. Yeah. All right. What else? Uh, before we before we wrap up, what else we got uh, happening in the world of F one this week? I mean, that was pretty much it as far as my radar. Um, saw a whole bunch of people at the Louis Vuitton uh, fashion uh, expo, but otherwise, oh, I know Lewis was there. Was anyone else in the mix there? Uh, I saw that, uh, it's Lewis and Gunther Steiner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> I saw some Pierre Gasly, uh, action, okay. uh, which is not yep, surprising. That seems appropriate. Yeah. The, that alien looking Frenchman, of course he's going to be like yep. styling in Louis Vuitton. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw who, who he was at, like, saw pictures of him with like willow and jaden smith and tyler the creator like them they were all like Mm -hmm. flanking lewis at like the 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 catwalk uh during the show uh but other otherwise yeah i didn't see anything that's like i i dipped into your kind of trash corner even though it's not trash corner it's more like celebrity corner uh what about you johnny high art high art corner uh (laughs) I don't think there was anything else on on my radar this week. I'm uh, I'm just stoked to see a little more action yeah. at uh, at Austria, yeah. and then it's a uh, it's what it's one week until Silverstone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, and then we have Silverstone. Um, Silverstone's a big deal. I think Silverstone's going to be a surprisingly big party this year because, if I'm not mistaken, that's where they 
begin filming yes. this uh this Joseph Kaczynski Brad Pitt Formula One film yep. with this idea of the like eleventh team on the grid. That was my air quotes, my air quotes there. Yeah, uh yeah. um the and and that, you know, I'm just interested to see how that unfolds. I'm a big movie geek and love, you know, all of this stuff adjacent to this and very curious to see how that factors into yeah. the already chaotic Formula One weekend. Yeah. Yeah. How much does that distract from the the race weekend? Uh, oh, yeah. The, the one thing that we didn't talk about was the fact that, uh, of course, the cost cap did not work. The cost cap penalty for Red Bull did not work. They are already transitioning to developing yep. their 2024 car. Uh, and then, like, Lewis came out and was like, yep, we are now uh, we're going to bolt on a bunch of new stuff to the Mercedes. But, like, I'm now telling everyone at the factories and telling anyone who will listen that we need to start focusing on next year's car too, so that we can get back into like a real competition with Red Bull. So mm. the cost cap, uh, sure. Um, the, the, the penalty that happened wasn't enough. Uh, and this is what we were saying all along. This is what everyone was saying all along. And now Christian Horner himself is even going like, yeah, we're going to start looking towards next year's car so that we can avoid any, uh, any other violations uh, or running uh, running up against a cost cap? So uh, here here we are here we are yeah 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 yep yep uh, yep so that's that's good but hey Mercedes is also looking to develop next year's car too so that's a good thing that's not a bad thing as long as they are also developing it's not them surrendering on this season to uh, yeah. It's yeah, I don't know. It seems like, but I guess yeah. Who knows though? And it seems like there was real. Everyone had real pace last week uh, in Canada, and Red Bull was showing their true pace. It was a tougher track for them, but uh, Alonso said it like, "Y'all aren't going to be beating us by twenty seconds again." Uh, and I think they'd have that time. It was like ten seconds ahead of everybody else in the field. So I think if we can get just catch them up, also. Hey, there was some analysis done on that lift and coast thing. And Alonzo, I guess, was lifting and coasting for 49 laps of that race. So Jesus. Yeah. So if he was pushing and that means he was losing about, what was it, like two tenths per lap? And like someone did the math and they were like, oh, he would have been within a second of Max Verstappen at the end of that race. Like he would have been challenging Max if he had just been able to put his foot down and really not, because apparently there was no issue. Okay. New theory before the end of the season, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. see Fernando Alonso do a Jean-Claude Van Damme split oh. between his car and Lance Stroll's car there so that is. they can tie for first place. There it is. And then Lance immediately retires. Uh, uh, and then Lance, yeah, Lance retires. Yeah. And then we get Danny Ricardo um, in the Aston Martin. Uh, ooh, ooh, Danny Rick whew. and Alonzo. I like that. I like that That's too. That's my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. This is our, this is this between is... between this week and next week. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, come up yeah, with yeah. more <laughs> exit strategies for Lance Stroll because yeah. I think that's yeah. that's particularly appealing. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Well, do you think the stock went up this week, Johnny? Where do you think it is? 
Yeah, I'm going to say it went up. We got, you know, fashion shows mm-hmm. and, and other nonsense happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's uh, the, the season is getting its momentum going. We finally are back from like the weird period of like way too long breaks between races and whatnot. Yeah. Silverstone will uh, will be exciting. I think even Austria will be fun. Yeah. And then we will plummet into the summer break, but we'll yes. have then a pretty a pretty jam packed end of the season uh, flying towards us. Yeah. And also, is there a sprint race at Austria? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we got sprint Austria, race this week. So all right. We got sprint racing. So tons of action yeah. this week. Okay. So, all right. We'll, yep. we'll have a lot to talk about uh, obviously uh, next week. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think that that also the fact that there was a sprint race, I think that that does add a little bit, to the stock because people are going to tune in because there's more racing. Yep. There's just more racing. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes is competitive. Finally, Red Bull struggled a little bit last year at the Red Bull ring, which was impressive that they actually struggled. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ferrari really struggled last year. If y'all can remember, Oh boy. Was this the foreshadowing Mm. of the Bonato bomb? Are we going to get both Ferraris on fire rolling backwards? in austria Woo. uh right. yeah stock stock is up baby the, oh. the stock is up uh all right johnny where can the folks track you down out there in the world uh you can hit me up anytime via my uh home base johnnymotion.com which will get you to finding me on all the socials and whatnot. Corey, where can the folks find you? Uh, I'm still a dinosaur. You can still track me down multiple different ways. I am burn hotmail. <laughs> uh, yes, hotmail. Uh, burn Corey Burn at hotmail. That's not real. Uh, I don't know who owns that or if that exists. Uh, I'm burn Corey Burn on all the things Instagram, Twitter, uh, and TikTok. And then we are the F1 Files on TikTok and twitter and the f1 files pod on instagram folks thanks for listening to us go on and on about f1 even when there was no f1 this week and we promise we will catch up with you next week just because you're going to catch up with us next week too right here on these f1 files Woo.